0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of Jonah and Ben Play Board Games with Friends. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Greg. Nice. What's up, And then everybody? Jonah's also kind of a guest this summer, so I guess wow, I'm a guest. Jonah's back, too. No, I'm kidding. Are you going to uh, ask me how I got Jonah. into gaming? Yes. No, we did that already. Way back when, like a year and a half ago. But no, I'm joined by my co-host, Jonah. Hello again. There it, oh, only one hello this week uh but yeah no we're joined again by greg uh greg is back with us uh, how are you doing greg very well thank you i i was
1: really my ego was boosted when i said when you said i was your co-host
2: was, you've been relegated was nice. back down to the guest spot
1: yeah that was his tradition <laughs>
2: yep greg what have you been up to
1: not much i mean it, if we jump right into board games, I went to a board game garage sale yesterday. Oh, you massive, went there? A massive board game garage sale, yeah. I want to hear about this. Because, they only uh, sold big
0: games? All games. All different types of games. Were uh, you the one who picked up Barrage?
1: No, man. I was looking for it. It was... You know what? So, typical garage no, sale... I was, I was
0: looking for it, Greg, from Florida. How dare you want to take the game that I was going to get?
1: That seems a little impossible to acquire when you're... A, yeah, I
0: know. No, I'm kidding. Uh,
1: that was, yeah. But in typical garage sale fashion, the early birds come, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever had a garage sale. It starts at say like 10, they're out there at like eight thirty, picking pick and figure stuff.
2: Yep. I go to estate sales and <laughs> yeah. I have seen that.
1: So I'm pretty sure that's what happened because I had my eye on a few games and Patrick and I got there at literally at 10, maybe a couple of minutes before. And there was already like 30 people picking through stuff. Um, but he had
2: that's the whole state's board game community right there
1: yeah basically there by the time we left i would say in and out maybe like 75 to like 100 people that filtered through just like within like an hour and
0: or so and just just really quick to confirm this was not just that one guy on the discord's games right he let other people sell there as well
1: i believe so yeah but i'm honestly i'm not even too sure what was it was about like it was his yeah. games or someone else's games but I was just happy to be there so um, <laughs> that's crazy but he had a list on his trade list on bgg a, what now is a portion of what was there he had like 800 games or something on there and like well <laughs> um, when we got there they had them all categorized alphabetically which was nice but uh, I should have just went to the letters that I wanted to look at where the, the games on my list were but started from a and traveled around and you just see people just like carrying maybe six boxes of games, and they're still looking through stuff. They don't want to put it down because they don't want it to get sniped. Um, but but it was a good time, and, and the prices were really great. And I picked up a couple couple games. So what did you get? I got actually I have it written down because I knew I'd forget. Uh, I picked up Abyss by Bruno Cathala. Um, I know that's a polarizing game because a lot of people don't like it, a lot of people do like it. But it, it was twenty polarizing. bucks yeah very polarizing (laughs) um yeah i heard mixed reviews but i i like set collection and that's the theme is kind of cool so that was a good pickup picked up london by martin wallace which is like an economic drafting kind of hand management game the first edition of that london good old marty blue moon city by reiner knizia so i get like the trifecta of uh board game designers here um Tokyo Highway, a dexterity game, which is oh, basically. You got Tokyo a, Highway, sweet. Okay. Yeah, like popsicle sticks and like little mini cars you're putting on there. Yeah. And then I got, I guess it's the gem of my haul yesterday was Container, which is an older Ooh. game. Uh, I think from 2007. Is it the deluxe edition with the legit shipping containers? No, but this is the first edition. Yeah. But the shipping, the the ships are like. A, I don't even know what material they're made out of like chalk, like a weird chalkish like marble. I don't know. Are they
2: like the PAX premier blocks or no?
1: Sort of, but they're a little bit more chalkier or chalky chalkier. Rather. Interesting. I don't know how to describe it. It's very like I opened my box and there's like little, there's dust, a slight coating of dust because of them. Um, but, but that was actually the, the majority of the cost that I picked up. Uh, yesterday but it was fun time Patrick I turned around for two seconds Patrick had like seven games in his hand um I think we both made out pretty well but it was a fun time and when we left around 11 o'clock in the morning things started at 10 thing was thing was bumping man it was it was peak
0: yeah I saw the uh saw the photo from Patrick with all the games that he picked up so he definitely got a, a good number of games as well
1: yeah, you got High Frontier and uh, Magic Maze. I was surprised Free that game. he got
0: High Frontier.
2: Have you guys seen that board? No. He said you need to be like a engineer or something to play that game. It is the messiest I board I have seen in my entire life. I don't think I'll up. ever I'm see a more cluttered board without knowing anything about the game than High Frontier. It is. I assume it's the third insanity. edition. Uh, I think you got I, the Rio Grande or Rio Grande, however s- you say s- it. Is it the Sierra Madre
0: version? Probably. It's Phil Eklund. Yeah, it's the, yes, it's the third edition. Isn't Phil Eklund the guy with the weird conspiracy theories or stupid theories? And
2: Yes, he, no? I believe, is anti-Semitic and is uh, anti-vaccine as well. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He thinks that uh a lot of stuff Are these
0: better than it is i'm looking on bgg and i'm trying to figure out if someone it looks like somebody took these cubes that were supposed to be ships and made them out of legos or something which is neat but i'm looking at this board and this is wild i i i'm gonna have to really take a look at this to figure out how to play
2: yes it's crazy it's also, Phil Eklund is the guy that did the In Defense of Colonialism mm, mm-hmm. essay. Yes, that's what I was thinking of, yes. Yeah. So wow. Seems like a nice is... guy. Yeah, this game seems wild, though. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. I'm interested in hearing what Patrick says if he tries it.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I feel like that's an investment, right? Because it's a huge kind of 4X game. Right. Uh, probably takes a while. What's the 180 minutes average it says so
2: that's a long time
1: yeah
2: and then on the complete other side of the spectrum like you said uh magic maze (laughs) which was the one that
0: i thought i had brought up at one point on um an episode and i thought that it was uh a different game but it was magic maze that i was thinking. that's the one where you like can't talk but you each have a piece to move and you're trying to like without communicating get somebody to move move pieces out of the maze right that's that's the one
1: yeah yeah and you have like an idiot marker too like if someone's not yes. doing something yes. you want to do you like smash yes. it in front of them
0: yes yep nadia smashed that in front of me quite a few times when we I, played i believe it so. i'm just kidding yeah. um, well i mean it happened so yeah
1: the i was uh it was interesting d- dynamic there because people would Kind of have comments like if you had a game that someone really wanted and you're carrying it around, they'd be like, Oh man, you picked it up before me, or like, Oh, I just missed it, or something like that. And I caught myself doing it too. I saw a lahav, I wanted to pick up lahav, some other dude had it, and I'm like giving them the side eye, you know, trying to will it, will him to like offer it to me or something. Uh, but Did regardless, it no, it didn't work. He, no, he just gave me a funny look and uh, went about his day with the game that I wanted, but. Super packed. It was a good time. Picked up a bunch of games, and uh, I think a lot of people were happy that day because they were making a killing. It's
2: crazy to me that someone could sell 20 times the amount of games that I own. Like, how do you have that many games to offload? It's crazy. Were there multiple copies of any games, or it was just 800 different games?
1: There might have been some duplicates. There were a lot of foreign games, or German versions. Some were in shrink, some were you know, they're very used. Some were old. Some were barely
0: used. Yeah. Boggles the mind. Sounds crazy, and I kind of wish I could have gone, but. Oh, well. Well, yeah. you're going to have to okay. have your
2: own since you cleaned out the uh, Florida board game room, right?
0: Yeah, I'm thinking. I don't know. I got to wait until they come up here. My mom also told me that, you know, she's fine shipping them out if I, you know, if I know which games were down there and I list them and she needs to send them, she's fine packing them for me, which makes me a little nervous, but I trust my mom. So, um, you know, she might be able to help, but yeah, I definitely, definitely I'm going to have to take a long look at what I've got and figure out what I actually, you know, want to sell and, uh, yeah, go from there. Cause I cleaned out the room in Florida But I still have, you know, a partially overflowing shelf up here. So, you know, there are certain games that in both locations that I'm going to have to just say, you know what, I just have to get rid of them. And one of those actually just arrived today, not to my house, but um, I had ordered uh, Tsukuyumi Full Moon Down from Gray Fox Games, that ridiculously huge uh, area control miniatures game. Um, and it's been, like, a year delayed, and I ordered it through uh, our good friend Chris. You remember Chris, right, Jonah? He still exists? Yeah, and he shot me a message this morning, and he's like, hey, I've uh, got something to show you, and then sends me a photo of, like, the four huge boxes, and it's our, we each of our copies of Tsukuyumi, and uh, I'm basically just going to put it in a box. I'm going to take a photo of it, put it in a box, and try and sell it, like, right away, because... I mean, to be honest, and I hope nobody listening is trying to buy it from me. uh, There is so much errata that they came out with already and, like, misprints with it that I don't even really want to deal with it at this point. And uh, I'm hoping I can just make, like, a decent chunk of it back and just send it off. So I'll probably be listing that later today because when we're done recording, I'm actually going to drive over to his place and pick it up. Um, Sweet. Tell him I say hi. Do that. I will. And... uh, Yeah, so I'm trying to sell that one, and yeah, I'm just going to have to go through my games and list some things. Because, you know, I'm very much that person. I guess Cult of the New is what it's called. So, you know, I still am interested in the new games coming out, but that means that sometimes i got to just let go of the old ones, even though I might still like them. So, Hmm. yeah, we'll see what happens when it happens, but eventually I will be having my own little mini
2: sale, so, yeah. Well, Greg will show up and give people the side-eye. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, more than usual. Well, with how nice Greg has been to me in the past, he can have first first pass at whatever games I try and sell.
1: So. This game looks like a blood, like an anime blood rage. I'm looking at yep. pictures. And, yep. and the standees look crazy crowded on the board, though. Uh, well, they're, yeah. mini-
0: they're miniatures, so oh, are they? I'm looking at the wrong game. Yeah, though. how dare you? If uh, uh, all so there's there's a um there's a second version of it, which might be. Uh, the one that you are looking, you might be looking at the first version. I don't know. Uh, let me just double check how it is on BGG. Uh, Why are to all view the capital down, ends backwards? Yeah, and that bothered me too. Honestly, when I went to look at the uh, like the rule book and stuff, all of the ends are backwards, and it <laughs> messed with me a little bit. Um, but like a I, lot of work to do. I'm
2: gonna,
0: I'm gonna pop this over to you in Discord real quick, uh, Greg. But uh, this is the one that I grabbed, and all of those standees are miniatures. So it's basically just going to be a hunks of gray plastic on the uh, on the board. <laughs> How long ago did this fund? Uh, let me pull up the Kickstarter because it funded a while ago. So it was running from March 2019 to April 2019. So funded in April twenty nineteen with an expected delivery date of January twenty twenty.
2: Well, a year and a half delay is. Uh, yep. Yeah. So, but the, the crazy standards. part is, it
0: was it was actually like finished months ago, and it was one of those like situations where the shipping prices kept going up, and they like couldn't get it on a container that everyone's having. So, like it's been done for a bit and in the process of shipping. But yeah, I mean, it looks like a neat game, but it's just like since I paid chris for it it's just like it's one of those way too big for what it is games that i don't need on my shelf considering that it's a stack of like five boxes so yeah i'm just gonna try and sell it right when i get it i'm not even gonna open it so <laughs> yeah that's that's gonna be interesting we'll see how that goes
2: i wish you the best of luck thank you i hopefully no one listens i hope no one listens to this and here's about the errata they have to deal with
0: <laughs> true or if they order it from me before they listen to the podcast i apologize in advance <laughs> uh but yeah so that's a lot about buying games but uh greg what have you played lately played lately uh
1: so i've played and i wanted to actually talk to to jonah and, and YouTube ben about wow. this
2: yeah jonah wow and greg was... talk about a game
1: well i think wow. We both have a connection to it, and that's Castel. Played oh, played Castel, and uh, I really like Castel. I know you really like Castel, but I'm not sure if you're you a fan or. I played it. I last want, week.
0: I, I know that you have Castel, and Patrick has Castel, and yet I still want Castel because I'm mad that Jonah is no longer here with Castel. Well, so yes, get, I like it. Okay,
1: so I had we played two players, and I had honestly a bad experience with the two player. I don't think it works well two-player, I, mean, I have to say.
2: I agree. I think mm-hmm. it is... I mean, it's good that it's fast. You can play a two-player game in like 40 minutes, but you lose the interesting parts of the game, I think.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest gripe... Well, they put out Castellers based off the number of players, and I think two is only three in each location, right? Right. So if you get a bad draw, and I think that's what happened in our game where... The, num- the Castellar numbers we needed for some of the big festivals, those really didn't come out, and some that did were in a certain region. Which brings me to my next gripe was that the first player in a two-player game has an extreme advantage, in my opinion, having yeah. the Castellars come out on on the odd rounds, which will you'll be first player each time, and you get your first pick. So three, five, seven, or whatever it is.
2: Yeah, you're right. Because the first player just switches back and forth. The yeah. first player goes once, and then everyone takes two turns in a row after that. Right?
1: I thought it switches. I thought it goes back and forth each time. Maybe I was playing wrong then.
2: So, if you're first player and I'm second player, you go. So round one, you go, then I go. Then round two, I go, then you go. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so, we're saying the
1: same thing then. Yeah. Right. But yeah. I'll I'll be first player on rounds one, three,
2: five, seven. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's the crucial repopulation that happens.
1: Yeah, and then only doing three at a location, you know, you, you're going to pick up all those potentially if you use that that special action to grab the last one, and yep. the second player just yeah Amanda was feeling la- like she she did well, but I was just picking up every Castella that she needed and couldn't really compete. Um, so that was. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because I played it twi- two-player before. It wasn't as bad, but I think three and four players, you get you see more castellers. The first player marker gets passed around. There's more tension with the festivals. Um, it just seems a little bit more interactive, even though we're not really affecting each other. There's like, it's it's not as beat down on one person because they can't come back from uh, from being
2: behind. Yeah, I mean, I. I would rather not play it at 2 as well. That that's not going to happen every time, but the fact that it can happen, to me it's like why give it a go if exactly. you like it so much better at 3 and 4.
1: Yeah. So I was a little bummed. I mean, I still like the game. The puzzle aspect is cool, you know, making your your tower and I'm pretty sure balance is just the way to go each time, like I, I feel like that's that's the strategy for me, but um enjoyed it, but it was just a little it made me think a little bit, I guess, after the
2: game. Mm-hmm. Yep. What else have you played?
1: Oh Damn, I thought we we're not going to alternate? Through, All uh... right, I'll oh. go for one. Yeah. Uh,
2: so I went over to someone's place on Wednesday. Uh, Greg, did I send you a picture of this guy's shelf? Surely I did. Yeah, he
1: had the, the ladder going through the Yeah. Across his collection. Insane. Yeah, that's awesome.
2: He has the Small World Deluxe... Like Giant Box, the War of the Ring Anniversary Edition, Puerto Rico Anniversary, like all those as well. It's crazy. Uh, and just tons and tons of games. There's like a whole section for the GMT games. He has 18 Chesapeake and a couple other 18 XXs. He has, anyway, tons of games. So went over there. Uh, Where'd you meet
1: this guy? Oh.
2: Board game meetup. Gotcha. Just uh, going to meetups making friends and then no longer going to meetups. So I don't have to pay for parking. <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah, I went over there. Uh, I was fed a very good dinner as well. It was really a wonderful experience. Wow. Uh, his name is Ron and he texted me and he said, Wednesday is Italian night. So, and he said that they'll have the basics, spaghetti, et cetera. I get there and there's spaghetti with two different kinds of sauce available. There's some like slices of cheese. There's a pan of roasted vegetables. There's some sausage. Oh my god, it was wonderful. But anyway, board games, which is what I should be talking about now. Uh, no, this I, is a, for a podcast now. John. Oh, excellent. Uh, I can <laughs> excellent. tell you all about my list.
1: Wait, so it was a build-your-own pasta bar, basically. Had yeah.
2: the to... wow.
0: This
2: was awesome. wonderful. Anyway, so we sit down to play Acquire. Acquire is a game that I have never played, and I was interested in playing it just because I've never played it. Uh, and there were six of us at this point in time. It was kind of weird. So we did a quick game of dice fishing roll and catch just while we were all finishing up food and waiting for someone else to show up. I don't really need to talk about that game, but people liked it at the end. Uh, So then we are setting up a choir since we have six people, and a choir kind of seems like, well, Chinatown seems like a newer version of a choir, just without like stocks and stuff. It's just very similar, where you get some tiles and they have to go on the board, and when, uh, when enough of them are in a clump, basically they form a building. Or in a choir, they form a corporation. Uh, so anyway, we're sitting down for a choir. I learn how to play it. And then we start taking our turns. And right after the fourth person takes their turn in the six-player game, the seventh person shows up. Oh, boy. And a choir does not go to seven, I believe. So we were faced with a situation... And I said, well, look, we can do four and three. We already had four people take their turns and acquire. So those four will stay here, and then the three of us will go over there. Uh, so that's what we did, and I went over and taught and played public market. We had public market and import-export, which is a Jordan Draper game of Tokyo Metro and Tokyo Highway fame. I'm pretty sure he does Tokyo Highway. I feel like he has to.
0: I think so. Let me double-check.
2: Anyway, so we rolled and Public Market came up, so I taught and we played Public Market. And it was fun, it was good to play it again. I'm wrong, it's not him?
0: Correct. It is uh, Naotaka Shimamoto and Yoshiaki Tomioka.
2: My apologies I hope I pronounced those correctly. But It's another small box that starts with Tokyo, so yeah. I Understand. thought it was another one of his I... small box games.
0: I thought the same thing from the beginning, to be honest. There's so.
2: Tokyo Metro, Tokyo Tsukiji Fish Market, and I guess Tokyo Highway is not him, so my bad. Anyway, uh, I taught and we played Public Market, just three-player. And Ben, you're going to be happy to hear this. I think I'm falling out of love with the game. Not that I ever was in love with the game. Public Market? Yeah.
0: Well, it's not, I'm not happy to hear that you don't enjoy a game you bought anymore. I just the f- couple times that i played it i felt like it was just a mashup of too many things at once and it didn't mm-hmm. really know what it was trying to be but i don't i don't enjoy hearing when other people don't enjoy a game so, so i i'm not I've, in love with that comment
2: but my continue. criticism for the game is not that there's too much going on it's that there believe it or not isn't enough decision space it seems like you fish until you can't fish anymore and then you just go to the market and do the best thing you can do and just rinse and repeat. And I've tried changing the frequency of going to the market, like going with a not full board to really bump up the engine, the fish catching engine. Uh, Greg, you haven't played this, have you? No,
1: I haven't. But is there player interaction or are you just kind of doing your own fishing thing? And do people so you get involved take with polyominoes
2: yourself? before other people can take them? And you can uh, fulfill contracts, and you bid for player order. Some so there's a little interaction, um, but it has the space-based engine building thing. You know, with uh, different economy. types of fish. Yeah, the economy. Oh, so you can, like upgrade your fish whatever? What are you upgrading? Yeah, you so up you'll
0: always have your a certain box. amount of one type of fish. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you'll like when you go to the market, you will inherently have, for example, like four salmon instead of zero. Like that's basically what you're upgrading.
2: So yeah, I tried changing up the timing to increase my natural ability to have fish in my ice box at all times. And yeah, it didn't really do much. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I might sell it, which could be a big issue for me because I don't have the money that came with the game. So I use the uh, the poker chips, the iron clay poker chips, you know? Yeah. Because it's so much better than using little crappy cardboard rectangles. Especially when those are only in ones, fives, and tens. So I was like, why do I want these in here when I already can't fit everything in the box? Uh, so yeah, was, I will was the... see what I can do about... Selling a game that I don't have all the components for. Was the original money
0: like Monopoly paper money or. Like it was
2: little tokens. cardboard chips.
0: Ah, okay. I was going to say if it was just like Monopoly money, I'm sure you could scoop that like pretty easily online. Yeah. And just replace it. But I mean, you could just say, you know, didn't fit in the box. I was using other currency and maybe give like a $5 discount. I don't know.
1: Or contact the. A- Publisher and see if they can send you replacement money. Or kind that's of. right.
0: Tell them I lost it. Yeah. Yeah. Say you moved. Say you moved, and unfortunately the box opened, and I don't know. That's I'm probably telling you to commit fraud on the internet, but I don't Better know. Better than telling me to do it in person,
2: is it? Now it's recorded. <laughs> uh, so we did that. Um, that's Public Market. I do want to talk about one other game before I send it back around because I have a third game to talk about later that I'm going to do it a deeper dive into. Okay. Um so I played Tokyo Metro as well. Speaking of the Tokyo series, that one's Jordan Draper. That one's Jordan Draper exactly. Uh Tokyo Metro in person and I was the teacher. What else is new? And it went well. I still really enjoy Tokyo Metro. I think it's a really fun game, but playing this in person, again, reminded me how much more I like the expansion map and the expansion income track. So, Greg, you have not played this, correct? So, Tokyo Metro is a game where you are basically investing in Tokyo Metro lines, and the trains run at the end of each um, round, and if they pass through your station... You get money and the train line gets money, but then if you are an investor, you own a share of that train, then the train just gets $500 instead, 500 yen. Uh, So there's still a lot of really interesting decision space because you need money to do everything in the game and you want to win by having the most money. So there's this conflict of owning shares in a train that goes through your station, because that gives you a lot of endgame money, but you lose out on the income each round. Uh, so yeah, really interesting. I quite enjoyed it still. The three people I taught it to liked it, but I definitely prefer the different map in the expansion and the changes to the income track in the expansion.
0: Well, speaking about the expansion that reminded me to go look and see what was going on with the kickstarter um as of 14 days ago they've wrapped up manufacturing the games are being loaded onto a ship in the coming week so there should be an update soon about um sailing schedules so once that gets to me i'll send it to you um if you're not back here at some point which i'm expecting to ship it to you but that's fine so uh
2: yeah it's uh it's on the way or almost on the way Excellent. Yeah. So yeah, Tokyo Metro. I still quite like it. I like
1: the. Cool. Is it a small footprint? Because it looks like a, I mean, it's a small box. It is and like, the cool far away
2: is... from a small footprint. Yeah. It comes in a box oh, this big. Small box. But then, yeah. Sorry. So, do you mean on the shelf oh, or on the table?
1: Well, I know. I know the small. The box is small, but the board. I guess it's. It's like a mat, right? You roll it out,
2: or it's. I wouldn't even call it a mat. It is a thin piece of fabric that you roll out that is probably a foot and a half by two feet. Like it's big. It, it, it expands. It's a large I map. would say
0: I would use a rhyme that most people would know for things that get larger, but it were a family show. So I'm not gonna use the rhyme. It expands. Yes.
2: But it's uh it's really good. It is, I think, a great lighter version of 18xx games with interesting uh, ownership and speculation in it.
1: I've been trying to get more into those kind of games. i purchased, I guess the term would be Cube Rails.
2: Yeah, Cube Rails. We'll have yeah. to have Nick back on to talk about Cube Rails.
1: Yeah, so yes. I, I bought Trans-Siberian Railroad and Ride the Rails, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I realized that I had Q rails game i didn't even realize it was the paris connection so i um and that's super surprisingly fun and it plays up to six and very light mm-hmm. so i'm like all right well I, I think i enjoy these then if i like paris connection let me go a little one step up so I, I picked up a couple of those and i'm trying to get into more of that genre
2: awesome yeah i think it's a really neat genre i've ben and i have both played age of steam which When we played it, I think we were all a little iffy on because it took so much longer than we thought it was going to. And, you know, if I knew it was going to be a three and a half hour game, I wouldn't have minded it. But I think we all went into it thinking it would be like two hours. So then when we realized how long it was, we're like, okay. But there's a lot of interesting stuff in that game. And Age of Steam also has like a thousand different expansions, just different maps that people have created with different rule variants. It's kind of like the... I've described it before as like a system. There's the Age of Steam system, and there's just so much stuff in it with that, and I definitely recommend you play Age of Steam. There's some really interesting stuff in it.
1: Yeah, actually it was one of the games at the garage sale yesterday. I saw someone pick it up. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I was jealous, but... But the Cube Rails, from what I understand, a fairly light rule set, but the... I think the game could be pretty deep. with mm-hmm. So I think that's an interesting kind of dynamic uh, for me. And I think that was a, a piece of my collection that was, that was missing those types of games.
2: Right, yeah. Because, well, at least for Age of Steam, you are building the map each time. So that is going to add tons of depth of play if the map is user-created and changes... Well, not user, player-created. Uh, you can tell I played it online. Uh player created and changes every time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to look out for that one in a trade or something. Uh it, the the last thing I like about those uh the boxes are so thin. Like they don't take up space on the shelf at all. So the Trans Siberian and and uh ride the rails. They, they both both of them make up like a normal board game box, which is awesome.
2: Have you looked into the recent ones? I think it's Iberian Gauge and uh Irish Gage, Irish, yeah. Irish Gage. Well, yeah. yeah. well, Ride
1: the Rails is, I think, the second one in that trilogy.
2: Oh, okay. It's,
1: yeah. Gotcha. It's in the series, that series of. Are they reimplemented them? I believe with Eno Tool art. Right. That's a, yeah.
0: Classic Eno Tool retooling games.
2: Oh, so then nice. what have you played?
0: Uh, so I was in Florida for the last week uh, with Ashley, um, and we played two games the whole week. Uh, with my mom, my brother, and Ashley, we played a lot of games of Farkle. Have you ever played Farkle? Sounds familiar. It's basically like a Yahtzee-style dice rolling game, but you roll six dice, and there are various scoring combinations. And you, you know, you have to roll a certain amount of points just to like enter the game. They call it. And then once you enter the game, you can like re-roll dice uh, until you don't get a scoring combination and like keep some to score Um, and we played it a lot because it's easy it's a quick easy game Um, we had a a good bit of fun with it I felt kind of bad for my mom the very first game we played because she never rolled enough on the first roll to enter the game so she never even got like a score in the first game but after that it was fine what's the purpose of that I don't know It's like the same thing when you play, like, what is it, Rummy Cube, I think, is the game, where you have to, like, go out with a certain number of points before you can really start playing. I
2: don't really understand why, but...
0: Yeah. Yeah, Jonah, go ahead.
2: Would you say that there is risk-taking in Yahtzee? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I would say that there's risk-taking
0: because you can either, you know, re-roll some dice or you can keep a score that you know you have. Like, let's say... Sometimes, let's say on the first roll in Yahtzee you roll a full house, but you want to go for the Yahtzee you can take away that full house and you might already have the three numbers, and you might already have a three of a kind, and now you're trying to roll for Yahtzee and you just lost your score So, Do you know what year
2: Farkle bit. came out? Did it come out before Yahtzee? No Yahtzee came out 40 years earlier and on the Farkle box it says the, uh, the classic dice rolling risk taking game I'm sorry, oh, but that's Yahtzee
0: yeah. I don't know. I mean maybe they're just trying to give some pop to their fairly bland visual. Yeah. <laughs> otherwise. But uh no, I mean it was it was quite fun and like I said it's easy. The the only weird thing for me is that that enter the game thing because you need you need 500 points at least according to the rules on the copy we had. You need 500 points to enter the game. So you pretty much need at minimum like three fives in your roll in order to enter the game and some, t- and you don't get to reroll anything until you've entered the game. You only get one roll in order to try and enter the game. Right. So it was a little weird. And I, like I said, I felt bad for my mom because she literally went the entire first game without even getting a point because she didn't roll any scoring combinations to get in. Um, and then after that, you're just kind of like saving dice to the side and rolling the dice again, um but it was easy and fun and you can play it without i mean all you need is 666 you don't need you don't need a scoreboard you don't need a dice tray you just need the dice and then like a pad to write scores on so i played back at my house without the copy that my mom borrowed from her friends and we just rolled onto like the table and used google to find the score pad mm. amounts so we knew how to play so very easy um, and that was pretty fun. And then just I'm just going to go over my second game quick because I only have two. Uh, Jared, Ashley, and I tried a game of Cryptid, which I had played once before, and I think I had bought it on like a steep discount, but Cryptid... Uh, yeah, go ahead, Jonah.
2: I was just going to say that I have played Cryptid once, and Jessica was a part of that game, Yes. and I don't think I have ever looked at a game before playing cryptid and said there is too much thinking for me in this and cryptid is that game for me
1: really yeah when and i that see was
2: cryptid the... it is just like can you make these eight steps of deduction and yeah. i said no and that yeah. was enough that was it for and me. that
0: was that was the exact same reaction that ashley and to some extent jared both had um and i understand why um the way the game works because I don't think we've ever actually talked about it before, um, is not. at the beginning of the game, I think it plays up to five. It might be six, but we played with three. And at the beginning of the game, it plays up to five. Okay. Um, every player will get a a clue. Um, and here, for example, I'm going to like give an idea of what the clues can be by going to playcrypted.com, which is a way to... S- quick start the game with an app instead of using the rule book um, It's actually kind of nice to be honest with you. So like for example, a clue can be the habitat because you're looking for a, a hidden monster or animal um, the habitat is within one space of either animal territory. So on the board um, there are various pl- spaces there's forests, mountains, water, swamps, Um, and desert, and then there are bear territory and cougar territory spots on the map. And the way that this works is throughout all of these possible clues that you can have, and each person only has one clue, and they only know their own clue, you are trying to be the first person to figure out the exact single space on this map that this creature can be living in. And there is only one space on the entire map that the creature can be living in based on the clues that are given for the game. So you are trying to use your clues to figure out where it could be. And then using deductive reasoning by asking questions of the other players. So you put like a pawn on a spot. And I would say, for example, Jared, can the creature be in this spot? And he would either say yes or no. I'm trying to figure out what his clue is. And then what Ashley's clue is, and then work all of those clues together to find one single spot on the map where this creature can be. And that's the that's the purpose of Cryptid.
1: Oh, so, so the answer that they give is a, basically a characteristic of the tile, or the, the space, and then you're basically just taking that information and trying to figure out through logic, essentially? Yeah,
0: so for example, the clue that I just got from this four-player game of Cryptid that I just set up, mine was the habitat is within one space of either animal territory, The second person is the habitat is on water or swamp. So I wouldn't know that as the person who said I was within one space of either animal territory. But what I would do is put a pawn on a forest space right next to an animal territory and say, player two, can the creature be here? And because according to their clue, it can only be on water or a swamp, they would put a cube down, which means no, there's discs and cubes. Discs are yes, cubes are no they would put a, disc, a cube down saying, no, it can't be on this forest because they know that it's on water or a swamp. If they put a cube down saying no, then I also need to put a cube down somewhere else where it could not be according to my own clue. So if you get the guess wrong, you give more information to the other players kind of for free. And throughout the game... You can either question, which is just asking one person, or you can search, which is when you think you know where it is. If you search, you put down a disk because you can only search where you know it can be. And then in order, clockwise, players will put down a disk or a cube. And once everybody puts down a disk, it means you found the right space and you, you won the game. And that's basically how you play Cryptid.
2: It's a giant logic puzzle.
0: Yeah, it's it's a big logic puzzle and there's definitely a lot of information to take in. So it kind of fell flat. It's probably one that I would end up selling, to be honest, um, when I go through my board game purge. Um, I think it's a neat concept. I just think there are other deductive games I would rather play. And I'm hoping I'm hoping that the other deductive games that I choose to attempt to play are not, you know, too much because i i think like for example i think ashley would really like blood on the clock tower um but i'm not like i'm trying to like compare in my head because my my weights of games are skewed so i'm trying to compare in my head like is cryptid if cryptid is too much is blood on the clock tower too much for like someone and i don't think so but i hope it's not so hopefully when we can play blood on the clock tower again uh it's not too much but it kind of fell flat So I'm probably going to end up selling Cryptid. And both of you guys are pinging with the questions. So I'm going to let you guys speak really quick. And then, uh, yeah, we can continue. But that was Cryptid.
2: I just Uh, want to uh, echo what you said. Sorry, Greg, I'm cutting in first. Because it's relevant to what Ben said. Uh, When you said that it's a really cool design, I also think it's a really cool design. I think it's a really neat game. And it's very interesting. It just doesn't work with my brain. So nothing against the game. I remember Jessica won the game that we played and I was like dumbfounded when she won, when she won. I'm like, how the hell do you already know where this is? That was a high player count
0: game though. And I think it's even harder with more players because you're trying to keep track of everything else. Like it even says in the beginning uh, or in the rule book, like, oh, it might be helpful to write down, you know, what you, what you're learning. And Ashley said afterwards, if she was writing things down, she thinks she could have followed like more of what was happening on on the board. Um, so it does say, you know, write things down if you're if you're trying to follow it, um, but I think it's kind of nuts to have to write some things down sometimes like in it like to suggest write something down seems to me like there might just be information overload. But yeah. Yeah, but, I mean Greg,
1: I, I was going to say the same thing. I, I could barely handle Shipwreck Arcana, which I actually really like <laughs> Shipwreck Arcana, but like that's the max sort of yeah, my brain doesn't uh, compute anything a little bit above that. But I think that would be a great two-player deduction or logic deduction game that you can play with her because I think it actually works well with two-player. It's just you and the other person. You're trying to figure each other out with the numbers and stuff. And um, it seems a little less complicated than, than this one. You don't have to write anything down, at least.
2: Yeah, Cryptid yeah. is many steps above Shipwreck, and that's why I can't handle it.
0: Yeah, Cryptid yeah. is quite a bit, so... Those were the two games I played in Florida. Um, I was hoping to play a few others, but I obviously did not get to them, as as usual. But uh, yeah, so that was me.
1: So, Greg. another game or two games I can group them together. I played Terraforming Mars, the original, and then I also played Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition, which is the card based um, Terraforming Mars that I recently got in Kickstarter or from Kickstarter rather, and. I was to deba- be. I've seen so much. Have you guys looked at anything with the Ares expedition? Is it the it?
2: one that has uh, like more mean options to it?
1: No, it's actually, less mean options. Oh. It's basically Race for right the Galaxy, the system. Well, the system of Race for the Galaxy, where there's five phases, and then you have to select the right, phase. Right, I remember and, now. Yeah, um, and they took away those. From what I saw, they don't have like steal all your plants or lower something on your board, that, that kind of thing. But I just really enjoyed it. it. It was a shorter time frame, definitely. The Race for the Galaxy. I, I really like Race for the Galaxy too, and I played three players, which was interesting. Um, trying to decipher like all right, who, I, what do I think this person's gonna do? Can I make the most out of my actions and? benefiting from their choices. I don't know. It's a cool system. The board, though, I like having the original Terraforming Mars board built out with the visual of just, like, you know, the actual Terraforming going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that has its place for, like, a really grandiose kind of experience of... Even the drafting portion is interesting to me in the original game because you're not really drafting in the Ares Expedition but um, I, don't know, I just wanted to mention that I played both. I like both and I probably will keep both because I think they both have their uh, certain times to play with certain different people and then literally time because if you have like three 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 and a half hours you play the original but if you wanted to get it done in an hour two player not even you can get the same exact combo feel and tableau building and engine building feeling that you would normally get. Uh, in the original,
2: awesome.
0: I, I feel uh, like I need to play Terraforming Mars at this point, like the the core game. Like I, I still haven't played it. I feel like at this point I need to play it.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm always down. It's Amanda's it's favorite cool. game. It's one of my favorite games, and you know I kind of blinged out my copy too, so it, it's
0: cool. I would expect nothing less. Yeah,
2: it's funny. Um, so a lot of Jessica's. MD and MD PhD cohort. We've been meeting up with people and a lot of them have expressed interest in board games and said that they're like the, of the age now where it would be more fun to just go over to someone's place and play some games and have some drinks instead of like going out to a bar and, you know, that sort of atmosphere. Um so, you know, Jessica's meeting these people and I'm meeting some people and Uh, Jessica's telling me how a lot of them want to play games and some of them do play games and, you know, in a non-snobby way, I always think, oh, you know, what kind of games do these people play? Like, is it something that would interest me or not is basically the question I ask myself. And, uh, for a few people, the answer was, you know, Azul and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's great. I love Azul. You know, that's a fun game. And then... A surprising answer was terraforming Mars. Jessica said a friend of hers really likes terraforming Mars. and I'm like, oh, this is someone who I could play board games with if this is the sort of stuff that they want to play. So it was a little glimmer of hope.
1: Yeah, I mean, once you learn it, I mean, I guess you could say this about every game, but it's 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 not that bad. And I think most people get the satisfaction of, of playing all the, the cards and seeing All the triggered abilities all the actions you can take you're just having fun kind of you know sandbox on on mars basically um and then yeah there's i mean there is some player interaction too like on the board kind of like an area control where you you place a city or you place some greenery tiles and someone plops a city right there they're going to get most of the points um you know messing with people's production hate drafting i mean coming from a magic background the drafting aspect is pretty cool. Kind of seeing what the other person has. Uh, they're going to really benefit from this car. Let me take it from them. I don't know. It's just cool. And, and Ben, we'll, we'll play it one day. Yes, I'm always for down. sure.
0: I think, I think it's funny. Sorry, Jonah, just really quick. Um, I think it's funny that you mentioned, uh, or that you said it's not that bad, which you could say about any game when you learn it, because I remember, was it like two weeks ago? I texted Jonah saying that, uh, no pun included, put out a review of, kanban ev and i was watching and i was watching and i wasn't done watching it and at one point uh they said it's a headache in a box and i said to jonah well it's not that bad once you play and then literally the next bit in the video was somebody calling the person's phone and the like the name on the thing was but it's not that mr does but it's not that bad or something like that, and it's like the exact comment that I had just said. Where someone's like, "Oh, well, when you know it, it's not that bad." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, it's not," but I don't know. Maybe I was just disappointed that they called it a headache in a box, even though they seem to in- like it. Other than that, but I don't know.
1: Well, uh, are there other are ever games that are that bad
0: once you play it? I wonder what the well, apparently yes. Kanban EV and other Lacerda games.
2: Yeah. Well. There's a game that Ben hates that I would say is that bad when you know it, and that's Indonesia because the math in that game is dumb, and even when you know how to play it the math that you have to do is like a barrier I would say Uh, and yeah, I don't know, we should we should table that and think about it for games that are still kind of that bad when you play it, so that'll be a topic for next time, because I want to think about it and look through some games and think about one's that fit that description what i wanted to say about terraforming mars is that terraforming mars is one of those games where you wonder if the designers of the game ever actually played with the components and for the record i have the same criticism of food chain magnate so this is not hatred of terraforming mars that makes me say this because like in food chain magnate where are you supposed to put all these cards are you supposed to use one giant deck it's dumb i don't know how they didn't think of this In Terraforming Mars, you have these cubes that are incredibly important on this player board with a thousand numbers on it, and if you bump your board a little bit and that cube moves three or four boxes to the right, left, or even just one box up, and you don't notice it, that is a huge, huge issue. Now, of course, a blinged-out copy like yours doesn't have this problem, I'm sure, because there are tons of uh, overlays so they stay in each spot. But I played Terraforming Mars once, and when I put my cube in that spot, I was like, man, if I don't memorize each of these numbers every turn, I feel like something bad could happen.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. That A lot of people say they spent more on not even upgrading the game, but just getting quality components for the game. They spent more on that than the actual game itself. And that's probably the case for me. The boards I have are... The laser, I got them from Etsy. They're laser cut, like colored yeah, those laser are cut sweet. ones. like double, yeah, they're really nice. But you're right. If you bumped on the normal, on the normal mat, and you don't remember what it was, you know, it's it's a it's a bad feeling. The reprint or the Kickstarter for the big box, which I was tempted to get, but I still didn't like it because I wanted my own custom storage solution. They fixed it with the d- dual layer uh, player boards, I believe. So. Um, but it's a shame that the art is really bad and the components are really bad. Just the gameplay, for me, I really enjoy. So I can pay pay X amount of money and then look past (laughs) it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know I bought, when I was like first getting into board games, I bought Terraforming Mars, I bought the broken token upgrades, I bought the metal cubes, and then I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this game, and I sold it like literally didn't play it but bought all of the crap for it it doesn't
2: surprise oh, me there's
1: a, there's a lot of crap for yeah. it too yeah so. see the expansions are
0: well they weren't out then it was back in the beginning but yeah it was uh i'm definitely one of those people who spent too much on it and then i didn't even end up playing it so
1: uh, yeah. i've uh sort of a, a transition from terraforming mars i also played everdell which i actually got in a recent trade um i played this once before and since i got in the trade i played it like three times it's very, basically in my opinion terraforming mars like in the forest with cute little animals i mean you're mm. very card driven comboy, uh building out a tableau uh i guess the only difference would be worker placement but it's the same feeling of um the, yeah the engine building is the same where you can play cards for free if you have, you know, the if you have the inn, you can play the innkeeper for free because they, they combo together, and uh, it's just the comp- and then also the other end of the spectrum, the components are fantastic, the, right. the goods, the resources, they're actually quality components, and the combination of the gameplay plus the aesthetics and art and cool theme, cute theme, if you will. Um, it was just really enjoyable. So I I can see this stay in my collection for a while and even bringing it it out with players who aren't, you know, hardcore gamers I think it's light enough to to teach them that and the the artwork I think always draws people in.
2: Is Everdell the game that you and Patrick played online that I was going to be a part of but I think I had like a work emergency or something and couldn't make it? Yep,
1: that's exactly right yeah, we played two player.
2: I also played two player with Patrick uh,
0: another time as well.
1: Did right, you like I'll it? Have then? To
0: try it, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was probably not a game that I need in my collection, but I enjoyed playing it. So if you've got it, you know, I'm down to play.
2: Yeah,
1: well, he does have it. I do yes, have it, and uh, I think some of expansions are, um, are going to be coming my way too because I think for what it, for what I'm lacking in the game, like the luck and some of the asymmetry I think the expansions offer uh, that's really appealing to me so I'll probably pick up a few of those
0: nice
1: I have one and more game too great. If... yeah go for it, okay. yeah, go so for yeah, the it. last one—one and one and a half left <laughs> so the last one is this is a quick one too I, um, I finally got to play Shot and Totten the two player card game you guys played, played this one
2: so Shot and Totten is as far as I know battle line with yeah. different art yeah, and, did you play line So is this your first play of Shot and Totten? Yep. Um, I have played Battle line I've played Battleline probably five or six times now. And I really like it. I don't know if I'll ever own it, but if I am ever at any meetup and there are two of us and someone says Battleline, I'm game. I think it's so neat. I think it's a really interesting system. I think Shot and Totten doesn't have the cards like there's another type of card in battle line that shot and Totten doesn't have i think
1: it might be the same that they have like special ability cards that you can like a separate deck that oh it does have that yeah so when i think when we didn't play this advanced version but when you draw a card you can choose to draw from like the special cards deck.
2: right yeah i think they're called uh who knows what they're called in battle line anyway yeah. what did you think of shot and Totten? i can shut up now
1: no, I really enjoyed it too. So, Amanda and I are big fans of Lost Cities, Lost Cities is a card game. We get the same feel from that kind of playing cards into a certain column and um, and trying to trying to build out something in this game, Shantan, You're trying to make, I guess, poker hands. Essentially, you're trying to get like a a straight flush, or you know, three of a kind, or just a regular straight with nine different Areas that you're trying to to conquer, and you're playing a card into one of those areas per turn. And I don't know, just first what it is for how quick it is. There's a lot of interesting decisions, a lot of um, kind of cat and mouse, kind of you know waiting for someone to to put one card down so you know it's safe to to put yours down, and that and also the out of the nine territories you win the game by by conquering five or. Three adjacent, so that one extra win condition is really interesting to me. Like, I'm not just trying to get the majority at nine; I could also make a play to just get three in a row, and uh, that's pretty tense too. And and I got, and I have to say, I got my ass kicked because I think we played it six times already, in in Amanda's five and one. So,
2: wow, yeah, so. I think it is, and I don't mean this as an underhanded compliment. I think it's better than it has any right to be. Like, it's sure. just this. Small two-player game that is effectively just like ten suits of one through nine. I think it's ten, right? Uh, Six. Six. Six Six suits of oh, six suits of one through ten, right? Um,
1: There's one through nine in six different colors, which are the suits.
2: Okay, yeah, but yeah, it you know it's such an unassuming product, I think, and there, like you said, there's so much to it somehow—the cat and mouse stuff and yeah, just. Echoing everything you said, and Lost Cities is Reiner Knizia as well as Sean yep. Cotton. Yeah, so it makes sense. And they're that you they're
1: would very like similar. It. The and we so we went to a a cidery the, the other day uh, after work, and that's a game that was awesome just to play outside, like on the benches while we're having a nice drink. And uh, yeah, so that's a nice add to my collection. Super cheap. And speaking of like small box, that is incredibly small, and it offers a ton of game in it. So I highly recommend it. Um, And I'm kind of late to the game because it's it's a little bit older. I think 99 it came out or something,
2: the original. Yeah, it's an old game. Ben, I think you should give it a try. It's surprisingly interesting, like I said, for what it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've heard good things before, so I've just never had the chance to play.
2: And, And people who've played like growing up, like
1: Rummy and just like general card games, I think this is a easily a transition into a, like a more kind of a modern style style game.
2: Right. Yeah. As long as you have that little card out that tells you what the combinations are, it's yeah, it's very easy.
1: Yep. Yeah. And so I enjoyed that. And even last night, the man was like, "Oh, you want to play a quick." came of a uh, shot and Todd. Like, yeah, sure.
2: So ready for another ass whooping, she
1: says. I know. It's like, can I not be as depressed before bed? So, <laughs> But yeah, that's, uh, that's basically what I played uh, recently.
2: All right. Uh, I have one and a half other games to talk about. I'll start with the half. Uh, we had some friends over for dinner and we ended it with some Crokinole, 2v2 Crokinole, introduced some people to Crokinole and they loved it, had a great time. Uh, that's all I need to say about that and then we went out to dinner and drinks with a friend last night and we had her over for dessert afterwards and we played some Crokinole and she loved it as well like screaming when stuff goes well screaming when stuff goes poorly it was yeah it was a really good time and it's always fun to break that out everyone always enjoys it
0: yeah Crokinole's fantastic
1: I had oh, yeah, cool. I, I, I I broke that out with some friends and yeah, I feel bad. One of them, like I guess, just the motor skills were there. I don't know. Like his flicking wasn't as uh, gentle as I would have liked, and there may or may not be like a slight little nick on one of the sides of my Crokinole board for him. Oh, kind of like oh, getting a little too intense with it, so I had to had to put a stop to that. But um generally speaking it is a really enjoyable experience, but when we were playing that time I'm like gripping the table underneath, like squeezing as hard as I could because I see my my beautiful board getting just you know, abused. So
2: well, well
0: it was made to be used. That's right. Not abused I though. Know. I don't know how I, I don't know how I'm the person saying that when I hate when
2: Yeah, I'm are... surprised you said that. <laughs> well the only I know thing you have kids... your crocodile board sleeved.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So funny story. When I was going out to Florida, I brought, um, one checked bag, my, my largest checked bag that I own to try and bring games back, um, potentially. And I brought it 100% empty. It was completely empty. And I have a Croconol like board bag. Um, and I was trying to bring the bag down because I knew I was going to be transporting the Croconol board in Florida, across town to my parents and I knew other things would be in the car and I didn't want it damaged and whatnot. The bag does not fit in the carry on bag. The crocodile bag did not fit in. So I brought the bag 100% empty. Um, but we found some like foam, like eggshell foam style pieces that were down there from a, a shipping box. So we were able to kind of like pad the outside of the crocodile board down there, but I did end up bringing, um, some games back with me. Um, to play at some point. So I brought, because um, I might as well talk about what I brought back. Um, I brought back uh, Godfather Corleone's Empire um, because I did enjoy that game and I had it down there for a while. Um, but I brought it back because I wanted to play it again. Uh, and then I brought back Netatanka Deluxe. Oh, right.
2: Yeah. Job. You said you wanted to bring that back.
0: Yeah. Because I said I wanted to bring that back. So I threw that in the bag. And then. This is me not planning ahead and not thinking I was going to be selling a house anytime soon. Um, But I did get two copies of Trickshot, one for Florida and one for New Jersey, because, uh, you know, my brother liked the game and I thought my dad would like the game. So I thought maybe they would play it. So I sent the painted copy that I bought pre-painted to Florida thinking, oh, I'll paint the copy that I have up in New Jersey. But I brought back the painted copy of Trickshot just to quickly and easily have a painted copy up here instead. So I brought those games back with me. Um, in my once-empty bag. So, yeah.
2: So, which copy are you going to sell? Uh,
0: I'll probably sell the unpainted copy if I end up selling it at all. If my dad does want the other copy, I would send it back with him when he comes up here another time. Um, but I'll probably end up selling it if, if I had to guess. So, probably the unpainted copy. It's just easier.
2: Makes sense. Um, my last game to talk about, I'm going to have a lot of games to talk about now that I have friends who uh, I can play games with unlike the last yeah, three it was, months.
0: It was so hard to find friends that you thought you were going to have such difficulty finding. Especially you know with me. a ladder.
1: that, to, In order to reach the games, you need to, yeah. a sliding ladder. Out. So yeah, uh,
2: I started, and Ben, I know this will be interesting for you, Greg, hopefully. Yes. Uh, I started Clank Legacy. I started Clank Legacy
1: too, but stopped after one session because of COVID. So I, I it would be interesting to hear what you say, have to say.
2: <laughs> uh, so yeah, Clank Legacy is Clank, but with legacy aspects added, obviously. Uh, I have not played Clank in a long time, like three years a long time. And the two people I'm playing with, apparently Clank was a like regular game in their game group before they moved out here to Portland. Uh, So we started it Friday night. Um, Since it's a legacy game, I wanted to play it more than once. You know, do more than just one game that evening. So we did three games in a row. Uh, The second game only took an hour. So after the second game took an hour, we said, okay, whatever. You know, it's already like 85% set up. Might as well just run it back a third time. I think it is... Interesting. I have not played a competitive Legacy game before. I've only really played Pandemic Legacy, and that's fully cooperative. So it's interesting to do your own thing. The, the goals on the back of your little player box are neat as well. Everyone has different goals. We actually chose our character just based on the mini. We're like, oh, I'll be that person. And then we pick up the boxes and write the names that we made for them and like two turns in the first game, we look at our box and we're like, oh, I have a goal that I should be thinking about. So it was fine and it worked out and we need to do that the rest of the game and second and third game. Uh, I forgot how mean the end of Clank is. So the way Clank works, and it's actually a really interesting system, I think. It's a deck builder and some of the cards that you have will produce clank. They'll make noise. And noise is a cube that you put over in the clank area. And then when the dragon attacks, you throw your cubes in that bag and it pulls out a few cubes. Uh, It pulls out more cubes the later in the game you are because you increase the rage track. Anyway, it's interesting to me that system. And at the end of the game, when you are escaping with an artifact you can buy a bunch of cards that you don't need and possibly won't even get any points for for the sole purpose of refreshing more cards in the market to increase the likelihood of a dragon attack. So when you escape with an artifact, you're done. You're out of the game. But every time it rolls around to you going forwards, you automatically draw, or all you do is you draw four cubes from the bag. So there's a guaranteed four cube dragon attack on every turn of yours for the rest of the game for the other players. What is so mean about it is the fact that you can put another dragon attack on your final turn and anytime someone is escaping in Clank it is towards the end and the other people are desperately trying to escape as well. So yeah, I just I forgot how mean that one move was in Clank, and I was not ready for it the first game. I was one move away from escaping, and I died, because the person did the right thing and bought a bunch of cards, so I would die. And yeah, it was mean.
1: Did you die above or below the threshold to score? Above,
2: yeah. I've been above the danger zone in both of the games that I didn't escape. Uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens. It's We're having difficulty exploring super far down. I guess south. Like, really far away. Because, I don't know. We're going to have to see what happens. We're going to play again tomorrow night. But it seems like it's tougher in this than in normal Clank to really go into the depths and make your way back. There are a bunch of forest spaces that stop your movement. I'm wondering if that has something to do with it.
1: Oh, I, thought, I was going to ask, was it tougher because of the mechanics or because the meta that has developed in your legacy game makes it tougher to go down and risk coming back up?
2: Right, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I actually had a fantastic, fantastic deck of cards in the second game. I think I had like three or four cards that said minus two clank on them. So I just, like, didn't generate any Clank the entire second game unless a different card in the adventure deck or whatever did it for me. You know, like, I didn't have a say in the matter. But even then, I just kept drawing my minus two Clank cards that I just didn't add stuff to the bag. So it worked really well for me there. And I like the uh, the card Porium. is really neat. And all the stickers. So, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I... Wish there were more than 10 games in it. So, like, all the Pandemic Legacies have been minimum 12, which isn't that different of a number than 10, but there's, like, no way you will beat Pandemic Legacy in 12 games. So it's really, like, 14, 15 or more. But the fact that this is a 10-game campaign uh, seems a little short but I guess we'll see what happens because I'm really liking it so far. It's tons of fun. One,
1: on. one of my things with Clank... I, I, Clank was one of the first games that I like, just really enjoyed part of my collection. I got all the expansions and everything. But one of my gripes about it is the lack of deck manipulation or I should say culling of crappy cards in, in your deck. With deck builders i guess in the base game at least or some of the base games deck builders for me the cool part is building a deck and then get trimming it or thinning your deck out so all the crappy cards are out so you draw your better cards with clank there's that mechanic's not as doesn't appear as often if i remember correctly and you have to be really selective about the cards you you buy because you don't want to clutter your Um, clutter your deck up. And I can't remember if that's the same in Legacy, or does it have that same feeling?
2: So I actually think there is a fair bit of trash. Well, the term in Clank is trashing to get rid of them. So there are a good amount of cards that let you trash other cards. So I was also worried about that, because I remember that from the base game, but there's... yeah. There is a good bit of opportunity to do that. And it's interesting because Rob's deck box had one of his goals be to have 25 cards in his deck at the end of a game. So he actually didn't want to do that for a game so he could check that box off. But Mm -hmm. since then, he is, uh, I think, thinning the deck. And it's cool because we... uh, our decks start out the same for game one, but they actually do get altered after that. And I'm not going to say too much more because I don't want to spoil it. But there is more asymmetry appearing, which is nice.
1: Yeah, I, I need to get this back to the, to the table because we started a campaign with... It was myself, Patrick, my friend Mark, and Chris. And I think I might have to... Uh, see if i can reset not reset it but the way just like maybe ben if you want to yeah, come in and take over for uh yes, for please. somebody and i'm sure amanda will take over for someone patrick might have to kick you out man if you're listening sorry uh just just for the <laughs> the, the, ah. the ease of playing it locally you know um yeah, right. but i think it, it shouldn't be too bad for just someone to take over what someone else did in one session i don't think there's that much of a, of a problem
2: there i don't think you'd have an issue um we were actually deciding before we started if we wanted to play it three player or four because we we have other people that we could have recruited to be the fourth but we were we ended up deciding on three because all three of us actually play at a decent clip uh we've played with other people in the last two weeks that have really bogged the games that we've played down so we're like oh maybe it'll be good to just do the three of us and then also i looked at the dice towers review and they were absolutely in love with the game, and they played it three-player. So I said, okay, if Tom Vassel likes it three-player this much, I'm sure it's not an issue for us to do it.
1: Yeah. All right, then someone else is getting cut. Be- <laughs> sorry, Ben. No, I'm maybe, sorry.
2: I'm, maybe I'm cut.
0: No, that's okay. No, I'm no. the one cut.
1: Because I I know you wanted to to play it, and I wanted it's just sitting on my shelf and I I haven't played it. I guess it was March 2020 is when we last had had a session.
0: You keep me, you keep me posted because I'm good with whatever. I have plenty of legacy and adventure style games sitting on my shelf that need to be played anyway. Speaking
2: of legacy and adventure style games sitting on your shelf that need to be played, uh, a year ago we talked about Kingdom Death Monster, the biggest box on a shelf needing to be played ever that is legacy and whatever yeah Uh, so yeah yeah, have you played it since (laughs) then no
0: i have not and part of the reason is because i was expecting to have my miniatures back right uh and painted which i know that i brought up on the last last uh, discussion we had last week so they're not on the way yet but eventually they will be and then Finally, I can play this game again because, I mean, I love this game. I've loved it every time I've played it. I mean, if I'm most of the time, if I'm investing the amount required monetarily into a game like this, I'm going to like the game for the most part. Um, Do are... you like
2: it because you spent the money or? Well,
0: I, I spent the money because I because I liked it. So, I mean, yes and no. It's kind of like a vicious cycle. Like I spent right. the money because I liked it and then I like it. Part of the reason I like it is because, you know, I feel like I have to like it because I spent the money, but I, I liked it before I spent the money. Cause I played somebody else's copy before I bought the game, which is rare for me as a weird person. So, um, you know, I, I, want to play this one again, um, badly and, knowing that I'm going to be getting the miniatures back and can hopefully like actually use them instead of proxying in other minis is going to be nice. So once those come back, Greg, I'm probably going to recruit you though. I might have to cut you um, immediately <laughs> after recruiting you. No, I'm kidding. This one, this one actually kind of requires four. Um, you can play with two if you're playing as two characters, but um, playing with three is a bit weird because then you don't really know who's going to take the second turn. To play the fourth character because you always play with four characters so it might be a little weird to play with three people but uh no it's good it's it's a good game i i still enjoy it i still want to play it you know i would play it online if i had to which honestly is probably easier than playing in person because everything's like scripted um but uh yeah i mean i haven't played since we talked about it and uh I mean, that's really all the, the only place I can leave it. But I, like I said, I have so many adventure-style legacy-type games on my shelf that I want to play, like Madara. Um, I'm going to be bringing Hate back from Florida. Jonah, Hate, you want to come back to New Jersey to play Hate with me? What's the opposite of saying I'd love to? You'd hate to. Uh, so, yeah, Um, I just have games in that category. I also back that Aridia game uh, from the creator of Shia and that's going to be another adventure style game. And then uh, Greg, we need to play destinies again. So there's so many of those types of games that I want to play. But Kingdom Death is what we played about a year ago. And it's still sitting there.
2: Yeah, speaking of these other ones, uh, I don't want to launch into a big legacy discussion. But uh, when I was over at Rob and Jason's when we were playing Clank, they have a few of these games that they are interested in playing. So I might get roped into one of those after this uh they said that maracaibo has a campaign greg can you confirm i feel like you're a maracaibo person
1: i i haven't played maracaibo but i i could see that though but i'm not sure yeah i mean that's i mean that's like a great great western trail sort of like theme like kind of mechanically kind of reskinned but um yeah, I don't know. But I would be down to play that if there was a campaign. <laughs> uh,
2: and then they also have Sleeping Gods. They have Near and Far, Above and Below, and Sleeping Gods. And I've heard a lot of really good stuff about Sleeping Gods, so I would definitely give it a go.
0: Yeah, that's one That's one that I've seen online that I would like to try at some point
2: as well. It's
1: I'm still trying to... I, I'm still trying to get through Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, so I... I think one one at a time for me for these campaign yeah. games
0: i think ashley and i are going to restart jaws of the lion just because it's been so long and we didn't get through those first five rules games so we're i think we're just going to restart with the characters we've got and try and play through them quicker so that we get the rules down before we continue
1: smart jonah do, does that ever happen t- t- with campaign games or, or i guess legacy games too They you stop and then you just like never get back to it, or it just it becomes too long. Like I feel like you have to really just power through, and kind of put push your gut push yourself to complete it because I think it it might lose its, its thunder as uh the more you delay or the more you have you know, the gap in in place.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a tough balance to strike, I think. So pandemic legacy season one, we really powered through it, uh, and then I think a lot of us kind of lost interest because we were overplaying it but then the other side to that is if you space it out too much you kind of forget everything you learned from the previous time you forget what new mechanics were added you forget all that stuff so yeah it's it's tough to figure out the right amount to play a game like that
1: yeah i think like the once a week kind of scheduled play i think that's probably the way to go
2: yeah, so I did uh Pandemic Legacy Season 2 in Australia with Jessica and a friend of ours and we Scott, that was his name. Uh we did the once a week thing and we just did two games each night. And it w- it was definitely powering through it, but I don't think it was doing it too quickly. I think that was the right amount because you know, just once a week it's not too crazy. And then each time we played two games, so we kind of had some uh, story woven throughout each night, which was good.
1: And it might be beneficial to play a game between those those plays, too, because it's, it's not going to be the only thing you're playing for right. two months, you know? You you kind of need to mix break it up a little bit.
2: Yeah, definitely. Like with uh, Rob and Jason, you know, we're playing Clink Legacy, but uh you know i found like-minded gamers and i want to play all these other games that we want to play and also balance being in a campaign together so maybe that's maybe. a positive of Clank legacy being 10 games
1: yeah you got to commit yeah that's two ten 10 is it's not too bad especially if you're doing multiple uh, uh a night. Right, night yeah it's not bad
2: That is it for this week's episode of Jonah and Ben play board games with friends. Thank you, Greg, for joining us today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
2: And Ben, thank you for uh, joining us today. Of course. It's my pleasure. And uh, (laughs) you're cut. You're cut. you
0: you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) gonna. Yeah, I'm going to be cut. I'm sure you're wondering why we brought you here today, Ben. Uh,
0: Uh, I was. Is this Is Is this the intervention where you kick me off?
2: Please you are the weakest link. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> uh, yeah, so thanks for listening, everyone. Please join us next week. We'll talk about some interesting stuff then. Hopefully we'll have Nick on and we can talk about some cube rails. Inspire uh, Greg to try even more of them. And yeah, I am back and playing games, so you're going to hear a lot of me blabbering next week as well. Uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you, Louisa, for the great music and see you later.